0: Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Chapel Hill. Uh, How many people like the beach? Now for Sarah and I, you know, we were just there recently. There's nothing more refreshing than feet in the sand and the sound of the waves. We could sit there Well, I don't know how long. I mean, if this skin didn't burn so bad, (laughs) I got to sit under an umbrella usually or an awning. But I just love the beach. And we had the awesome time during the fall break. You know, when we were out that Sunday, we went from the beach to celebrate for our anniversary. We came home and got the girls and we went to the western part of the state. And how many people would choose the mountains? Put the next slide up. Because the voice of God is like the sound of many waterfalls. Now, see, the beach and the waterfall, it's still rushing water. It's still the sound. It's like the atmosphere. We got to be up there at Judah and Amy's house, our our son and daughter-in-law, during this peak season. I hadn't done that in years. Peak leaf season. I mean, we actually went up there on, a, on Sunday afternoon. All the cars were streaming out. I mean, 40 was packed. People leaving the mountains during this time. They had, they had been there for the weekend. But that's a time of refresh, refreshing. And that verse that we're going to use this morning is Acts 3, where it says, change the way you think about things. Now, wait a second. It uses the word repent. Sometimes we think of that word as being sorry for our sin, coming to an altar call, weeping on the floor, or what? and it may be that, but I want you to remember it's much broader than that. Sometimes it's not just, uh, you know, repent of or say you're sorry for the wrong or whatever, and it, it includes that many times, but a lot of times it's changed the pattern of the thinking that has been going through you that has caused you to come under these heavy loads and burdens. Are you with me? So repent, And then what's going to happen? A time of refreshing is going to sweep over you. I think we could even pray for one another that times of refreshing would come upon our friends, our family, our neighbor. Has anybody gotten to pray for somebody this week? Yeah, raise your hand if you got to pray. I know y'all. I know you guys. Everybody's praying for people. Who, Who got to pray for people this week? Isn't that refreshing? I walked in a homeroom at 7.45 the other morning, and this little boy, he's eighth grade, he had just been in the hospital with this uh, heart, I guess like a hole in the heart issue, but like this heart thing, and then I said, well, Ezra, let me pray for you, and then this other boy came up behind me, and he joined in. I didn't ask him to. That was refreshing for me to just get to pray, and then the students that just flooded into the tent on Tuesday morning when I was there and probably Tuesday afternoon just being able to like, I got an exam. <laughs> Who remembers that prayer request? <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. I got an exam tomorrow. Ooh, yeah, y'all know. Our prayers are with you. There's nothing more stressful. Um, And they asked for other things too. But, you know, we can be instruments of refreshing when we're just praying for an exam or somebody's sickness or whatever the issue is. But sometimes the well that's inside of me, spiritually, spring up Oh well, it feels a little clogged up. I don't know if, maybe I'm the only one. It feels like a little clogged up. I mean, I still pray a prayer face, but I want a gusher, man. I mean, I want like, when I lay hands on something like... There is just a flood of God's presence that just saturates them. Because if, I'm, if I want to bring other people into times of refreshing, I need to be refreshed. I need to be refreshed on a daily basis. And I'm stealing this phrase from my wife. This was a thing at the women's retreat, this phrase, clear the clutter. And y'all are going to get to benefit from this next week. Clear the clutter, and if you look at this graphic, is because the matter of everything in life comes down to the heart. And the heart is your home, or your home is your heart. That is the place. And so, clear the clutter, the Bible says, out of your hearts, that times of refreshing might come. I just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, even if it's just one thing. Maybe it's several things. What do I need to clear clutter out of right now? Um, Does anybody... uh, like to, you ever walk through your house and they're like, oh, dear Jesus, we need to clear some clutter out of here. <laughs> I know, David, you already got it cleared out. <laughs> it's not cleared out. Well, that's the thought is you feel like, man, I need to. And, um, you know, especially with our boys who have been gradually moving out in our, the season of our lives recently, Oh, uh, we've been clearing some clutter, bro. <laughs> yesterday, I went down and I need to replace the home, you know, the house water filter. Well, you have to take, there's this huge closet full of clutter just to get to that thing. You know, Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, God, I dread it every single time it's time. I get that ding on my calendar, replace the water filter. Oh, God. So I go down there and Sarah's like, what are you doing? Doll? I was like, oh, I'm just piddling. And I'm like, do we need this? How long has it been since we used that? I'm just like, we got to get rid of this stuff. And I start taking pictures and sending them to my sons and to other people. Do you want this? How? And then the rest of it, I'm putting it in the junk pile. <laughs> we just need to get rid of all the clutter. So what is the clutter? Well. Spiritually, it's unneeded and unnecessary spiritual items that are mostly unused and are simply getting in the way. God's not doing it to me. Sometimes these things are just, even in my mind, it's just getting in the way. I want y'all to feel grace on this. Is this heavy? It should cause us to rejoice. Because Hebrews teaches us that a father treats us like children. And sometimes that's like the D word, like discipline or clearing the the clutter. But that brings joy in our hearts. And uh, because I want you to remember last week, it was the message was compelled by love. Please understand everything the Lord is saying this morning is compelled by love. It's because he loves us so much. That he just even want to encourage us in this way. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that show uh Marie Kondo. Is anybody familiar with the well this got me looking at that? Because I have we have watched it, I don't know, a few years ago probably. Um and uh she has this method called the the condo method, I I think, or con Marie method, as I looked on her website. And I'm gonna read like their vision statement. But listen to it spiritually, okay? This is very interesting. The KonMari method is a simple but effective tidying method, ensuring you will never again relapse to clutter. <laughs> relapse to clutter. I didn't know I was re Is that what I'm doing? I'm relapsing. <laughs> it uses a unique selection criterion, choosing only what sparks Joy. You are not choosing what to discard, but rather choosing to keep only the items that speak to your heart. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Through tidying, you can reset your life and spend the rest of your life surrounded by the people and things that you love the most. All right. Now you're talking. Because I feel like the Lord's wanting to free us today. I'll use that word, tidying. He wants to tidy up the rooms of our heart and our lives. He wants to remove the debris, the distractions, the disappointments these aren't needed spiritually. He wants to tear down any idols and and free us from any besetting sin, like I said, he loves us like a father loves a child. Will you let him? Will you let him go in, into your room now, who remembers when you was a teenager? <laughs> And usually mom, maybe dad, mom, opened the door of your room and what is going on in here? (laughs) I want you to see as a good father, though, if he's opening the spiritual room of your lives, what needs to be swept? What needs to be put in his order? Because um, he wants to spark joy. Where we choose what to discard by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Keeping only those items that speak to our heart. Spending our lives surrounded by the Lord and the people he loves the most. Are you with me? Amen. So like I said, number one, times of refreshing. The scripture, Acts 3.19 and 20, is this. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away in times of refreshment, everybody say refreshment. Refreshment. Oh, I just like to say the word. I feel that cool breeze blowing across my deck this morning as I grab that cup of coffee. So that times of refreshment will come from where? See, refreshment always comes from presence. Without presence, it's stale, it's stagnant. It breeds religion. What's religion? Rules without relationships form without power. That's there is no refreshment in that. There is boredom. There is staleness. There is going through the motions. And to be honest with you, I think we sometimes Christians like myself would maybe look at more traditional Christians and say, "Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to be like that." Cuz I would equate what I'm saying about staunchness and boredom in religion with like, "Yeah, Mm -mm, No, thank you. But over the years, I've realized, no, you just need to look in the mirror of your heart. Because it doesn't matter what Christian flavor you're of. The human condition is always prone to the default. Do you understand what I mean by default? The default is a going through the motions. It's in like your marriage or your something where you wake up one day and it's just like, just doesn't feel fresh, and you feel like, yeah, because we're just going through the motions. Hopefully that doesn't happen to you for very long, and God helps you, you know, in our relationship with the Lord or in our church life. It's like, we don't want to just go through the motions. Why are we doing what we're doing? Well, hopefully because for the presence of the Lord, that he can bring a refreshment, and he will, it says at the end of the verse, he will send you Jesus you're appointed. Yeshua, you're appointed Messiah. I love the way the NLT did that, translated that. Repentance literally means in that Greek language to change your mind, turn away, walk another direction. Again, sorrow, yes, possibly, sometimes all depending on the depth and effects. I mean, for me, I definitely feel sorrowful, even if it's not like the sinful thing, but just that, okay, what have I been missing out on? Like if I'm, if I'm in a pattern of thinking about a particular matter, and I go a long time, and then I'm feeling the effects of that, then I feel sorrowful. Like, oh, Lord, forgive me. I don't know why I'm thinking this way. You've got something. You've got your way. You've got your refreshing wind to blow through that whatever it is fill in the blank for you sometimes it's simply a realization of thought patterns or patterns of non-christ-like behavior that are not serving you well therefore not bringing glory to god again sometimes they're not sinful at all like busyness beyond your capacity clear the clutter you lack a sabbath clear the clutter You just sucked in to the world's methods for happiness? How's that working out for you? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, clear the clutter. Jesus has a different way. We're talking about kingdom life. Are you with me? Are you awake this morning, church? Come on. We're talking about life in the kingdom. We're talking about overcoming and victory. It's like, Lord, clear the clutter. I love this quote by Pastor Bill Johnson. Most Christians repent enough to get their sins forgiven, but not enough to see the kingdom. See, how is he using the word repent to change the way you think about life, God, and reality, and other people? He's not talking about repentance to get saved. That's initial repentance. That Once that's done, it's a done deal. We're going there when we die. But I want to keep... Taking on the mind of Christ more and more to where I see all the fullness of the kingdom over a lifetime of grace and growth and being in the greenhouse of God's presence. You know, this we're not talking about like an over the night overnight thing or like, boom, pastor, put your hand on my forehead right this second. But yeah, that's helpful, and I believe in impartation, and and definitely the encounters become those moments where God can even accelerate things with His presence and His glory. But also, I think we've got to have a lifelong perspective on it, otherwise there's too much propensity for the great condemner to come. You know what I mean? Be like, see, look at you. Oh, what about them? And then the comparison trap and all that. Do not let that happen. Don't fall into that hole. That That's a hole you don't want to fall into. It, it's not going to be helpful for you, you know. So times of refreshing is that number one. And number two is the effects of clutter. And uh, I want to zero in here particularly on disillusionment and disappointment. Um, in a conversation with Mark, he was reminding me of a quote from this book that both of us have read um, because the point uh, in this, this section of the book is that disappointment or disillusionment are like a cancer that if never dealt with, metastasize and kill our vision, our joy, and ultimately the future that our Father has in store for us. Another Bill Johnson quote from this book called The Essential Guide to Healing. Believers may have experienced disappointment that stays unresolved. He says, I believe such disappointment has had far more lasting effects on people than bad teaching. As destructive as bad teaching is, people with bad doctrine are always one experience away from a transformed view of life. But unless resolve, disappointment is a cancer that grows until it takes the life of its host. So you see when I, the Holy Spirit wants to clear clutter? OK, I'm not talking about you know, hating your neighbor. What about disappointment? Where God it just didn't work out the way that you thought, or it feels like God was silent or God was absent in a certain matter. Or a certain situation. There's a tension in these aspects of growth in the Christian life, isn't there? We would be lying to say we haven't all experienced some measure of that. But in the midst of that, allow God to clear the clutter of those disappointments. And those seeming failures. Because the truth is there is no real failure in the kingdom. He uses all these things for your good. And if it's, good, if it's not good, then the story's probably not over yet. In uh, John 9, 39, um, I'm, y'all know the message? Message kind of a devotional translation. I was reading the different translations. This one really caught me. Uh, John 9, 39, Jesus is talking to the church folk, you know, the, the Pharisees. And th- Jesus then said, I came into the world... To bring everything into the clear light of day, making all distinctions clear. So many words. Jesus said, I came to clear the clutter. I need to come into your mind because that's where the mind of your heart is really where it's all at. I need to come in there and realign these things. So that those who have never seen. So this is repenting enough to see the kingdom. Those who have never seen will see. And those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Some Pharisees overheard him and said, Does that mean you're calling us blind? (laughs) And Jesus said, If you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and failure. See, I don't want to claim that I can see everything just perfectly. Because then that puts me sort of in a dangerous place. Like, well, I know, I know the truth. I have it all figured out. I know exactly every principle of the Bible. I know what everyone in the world should and should not be doing. And you know what I'm saying? Wow, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy, Laura, because like I said many times, we don't know what we don't know. Lord, bring clarity to my understanding First his presence comes, then there's a clearing away of my own human debris and my opinions and what I think I understand. Are y'all happy? I know, it's a lot. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but I know I can feel the joy in the room because this hurts so good. You know, this is a this is a good thing um, that the Lord is doing with me, with us, you know. Um, I, I got to go back to Pastor Bill. He he gives these steps to healing our hearts, just real briefly. Number one, be honest with God. Process your emotions, but never ever blame him. Um, just like you know, you can say a lot of things in your to your spouse, but some words you can't take back. <laughs> you know, just don't let those words be in your vocabulary like divorce and say, you know, just mm -mm, don't use the D word. Just, no, you can get mad. I mean, we all get mad. We say stuff, whatever. We have to apologize. But there's some words that it's not like you can't take them back, but it's really, it's more difficult. It's hard to do. Um, I think that's what I felt him encouraging. Like, don't blame God. Process your emotions. Tell him you're angry. Tell him you're upset. Tell him you're disappointed. Tell him you're disillusioned. You know, and then, but he's like, but along with it, don't be religious. Don't just go to prayer with the Lord and tell him what you think he wants to hear. Cause that's, that's not really going to help anything, you know? So be honest with God is number one. Number two, listen to God, go to the Psalms. He says, pray, sing, declare the Psalms until you begin to think differently about your situation. Cause that's one of the great tools and why the, the book of Psalms is there is because it's a tool for you. So when you're feeling that and you can do that and you can read it and you can say it out loud and you can sing it because everybody's got a psalm from growing up that was put to music in our church traditions and you can see these, sing these things and then watch over time how you begin to think differently. The patterns of your understanding begin to come into alignment with the word of God and that's where refreshment comes, Right? So one, be honest with God. Number two, listen to God. Number three, receive the peace, with a capital peace. I love this quote. Keep in mind that if you do not give up your right to understand, then you will not receive the Philippians for the peace that surpasses all understanding. If you don't give up your right to understand then it's going to be hard to receive the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because have you ever had a peace in the middle of a storm and you really couldn't understand how in the world do I have this peace? I've had that and I've seen others have it in terrible, terrible situations. How is this even possible? Because Paul recollects from the Holy Spirit that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Think about that statement. The role of the peace is to guard us. It's like a shield around you. And so these very logical and, not logical, but spiritual and practical steps is the word I was looking for, really can help you in dealing with your disappointment. And when things didn't seem to be work, working out. Number one, be honest with God. To listen to God. Three, receive the peace. And number four, feed your heart correctly. Feed your heart on what God is doing without stumbling over what he has not done or does not seem to be doing. Oh, that's one that Pastor Byron taught me a lot. In leadership and like pastoral ministry is when you're leading a church, it's always easier to see what God's not doing. But it's... On the flip side, this is the power of testimony, but find out, go look as hard as you can until you see what God is doing and then put all your focus on that. Praise God. The Lord is touching Ben in Hawaii. You know, he is leading worship in the prayer room and he's just, you know, like I, so as a dad, I'm going to focus on that. Does that mean I don't have maybe other issues even with that child or, you know, whatever? Big, small, whatever. This is just a micro example. Is focus in your workplace on the blessing. Mark gave us a great message on that. How was that? Two years ago or something like that. The blessing is focus on the blessing and being a conduit of the blessing. One thing that's so powerful about that besides what happens within the environment of your workplace is that you focus on what God's doing. The Father is blessing rather than everybody can find the dirt. Everybody can find what doesn't seem to be happening, what God doesn't seem to be doing. Um, So, one, be honest with God. Two, listen to God. Three, receive the peace. Four, feed your heart correctly. All right, and then um, the next last thing I had is, Help each other out. <laughs> that seems pretty basic, but I think in the culture in which we live, it really uh, bears worth repeating, is uh, we weren't just placed here within the church as a lone ranger Christian. You know, just figure it out. Like, uh, I lo- And one of the most beautiful things is I see this happening. I hear people talk, and I, 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 I feel this happening within this congregation, and that's beautiful. Hebrews 12, 12, again, the message translation. So don't sit around on your hands, no more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners, so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Let's continue to be a people that genuinely love one another. Jesus said the world will know you by your love. And one way that we can practically do that is just saying, hey, listen, we can't solve everybody's problems. You know? Like if Dennis shares a problem with me, I may have no answers or any solution or any way to solve it for him. That's really not what we're talking about. We're talking about just... Carrying one another's burdens with them, being a part of that process. Because who's ever been through some some really burdensome and difficult times, and you got through it, and then in hindsight, you look back and see all that God did through that. And um, sometimes, like as a parent, you would like to protect your kids from difficult times, but you realize, number one, I can't. And number two, if I did, they wouldn't get, God wouldn't be able to teach them and then learn for themselves some of the hard things that just we need to go through in our life. So the same is same with our our relationships in this room. You know, we can't solve it for each other all the time. But this is just an encouragement to listen and to be there and to be that sounding board for one another. All right, last, and then we'll pray for each other is um, be prophetic while resisting criticism. (laughs) Be prophetic while resisting criticism. In other words, I see those as kind of like opposites of one another. Be prophetic means listen and hear what God's saying and declare it to your friend, your family, your neighbor, yourself. Prophesy over yourself. But who can be your own worst critic? See, I believe that kind of criticism is the same. It, this I'm looking in the mirror. I am dealing with this. Okay, is my own criticism of myself, my own insecurity, because I know that you all can prophesy. That's that's the New Testament. You can all prophesy. We're all called to be prophetic, and I, I'm very prophetic in the Lord, in the spiritual me. But the flip side of a prophetic culture, the default can be criticism. Okay, and so I'm just encouraging us, start with yourself, number one. Deal with, this is repentance. Deal with the self-accusing, yes, stinking, thinking, thinking down on yourself. She calls me on this all the time. Like, Matthew, you're being too hard on yourself. Yeah, because what was that I did the other day? It was something stupid. It was something little, but it just felt like, God, I want to do that. You know, it it wasn't like forgetting keys or something. It was just, you got to be careful of those self-proclamations, decrees that you make over yourself because they become prophetic in a negative sense. And see, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So how do you prophesy to your neighbor when you're prophesying criticism of yourself? You see, you got to start at home. you got to start there. And then, because the most critical people are those who are the hardest on themselves. Because then you just project that on the, everything around you and going on. And I'm just feeling like, oh, the Lord wants to keep dealing with that clutter. He, he doesn't want that in his bride. He's just like, nah, let's clear it out. I love what Chris Valadin says about prophetic ministry. He said, If you go into a gold mine, what's the most prevalent thing in a gold mine? It's dirt. He's <laughs> like, It's not gold. You have to dig and try to find the gold. That's the prophetic. But the dirt is the criticism. And you, everybody can find out what's wrong. Like, that's easy because the dirt is everywhere. But God's not called us to be diggers for dirt. He's called us to be diggers for gold on, go. yeah. Acts eleven one I thought this was a real this was in my devotional time this week, in my just scheduled reading. I came across this, and um you know the church has been scattered. And Pete and some of the, the, they call him down to come minister to these Gentiles, you know, and they're not Jews. And that whole thing moving beyond the Jewish people is really fresh off the presses. Like that's, that's kind of a, that's a new paradigm. Yeah. And so it says in Acts 1, 11, 1, I'm back to the NLT this time. Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. All right, praise God. I mean, the power of God, the place was shaking, they were speaking in tongues. I mean, everybody was blessed in the meeting. Then he goes home and it says, uh, but when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers, the church, criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said gosh, Peter, this is not very holy. This is not according to the law of Moses. You broke article 111.3a. How could you possibly be the anointed of God? Now, the good news is, and you read the rest of the chapter, I won't, but He goes into the explanation of how there was a trance. You remember the story? And then the sheep came down, take and eat. And Peter's like, no, I'd never eaten. And it it became spiritually symbolic for the Gentiles will receive all of that. And then the church came around like, that's cool. yeah, all right. (laughs) Yeah, we believe it. But I thought, but the first thing was criticism. Lord, have mercy on us. Like, do you want God to move? I don't care where God chooses to move. The church across the street that doesn't worship like me, or that one down there that doesn't look like me, or they definitely got bad doctrine over there. I'm not pointing at anything. I'm just, I'm making something up. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, but God, just move. You want to move on the Gentiles? All right, let's do that. Like, we'll go to their nightly meetings and just bless and be a part of whatever you're doing. You want to move to Asbury? Praise God. You want to move to Florida? Amen. We'll try to get down there. You want to do whatever you want to do, God, we just want you to move. And Lord, would you just remove the debris from our hearts? Would you take out the disappointment? Remove the disillusionment? Remove the been there, done that mentality that I've fallen into? Help us help each other? through this and God calls us to be prophetic and not critical. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.